Warning, the following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. Issue 35 of DC Primetime here on the Next Level Podcast Network from the showcast right here on the network. I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast Pods, I'm Rob Martin. And we are exhausted. And we're not using that <laughs> as we're not using that as an excuse this time. We actually just got wrapped up this past weekend. As as we've posted on the Facebook page, Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, this week's issue is a day late. And for good reason. We, Rob and I, both participated with a number of our friends in the Extra Life 24-hour game day, which went off with a hit without a hitch. We raised over $6,500 for Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, and we, we, I think we can, we're still taking donations up until the end of the year, I believe, too. So uh, gonna... Yeah, December 31st, um, we'll, we'll still be taking donations. But actually, I think I want to say we were really close to 66, okay. uh, $6,600. And um, I got my message from the Extra Life Foundation this morning that they broke $6,650,000 this year by the end of game day total across the world. That so is incredible. It was, it was almost... Uh, more than over a half a million more than they they had last year. I think they just broke six mil last year, so it's been on average going up about half a million dollars, and that trend is continuing. So it was really cool. But yeah, there was a uh, there was fifteen of us playing that managed to raise that much that much money. So yeah, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a blast. It was a twenty four hour marathon in essence that turned into about thirty two to thirty five hour days for all of us between yeah. setting yeah. up and cleaning up and travel time home and everything else and not everybody in our group cut it there were some people who took naps yeah but you know like i said i'd rather people do that and be there for the majority of it than duck out early you know that's that's just the way i love viewing this is but the fact that everybody's willing to put them, their bodies through that much that that much torture uh for this good of a cause is awesome yeah uh, so. But I'm going to put it out to our listeners now i want our listeners to help out i want to break seven before the end of the year. Like, that's that's my goal. I want our team to break seven. Yeah, I would love to see it, yeah. So to any of our listeners out there who would like to give to this great cause, uh, message us on Facebook or post on the Facebook page. Again, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, let us know, and we will absolutely provide you with links, even if it's just $5, $20, whatever you want to donate. Uh, think about giving to a great cause and we will absolutely set you up with the links in order for you to uh for you to do that yeah and uh i will say this too if you get those donations in probably at least in the next couple days you'll still be eligible for the raffle that's happening uh we play for our larger team so we have this little corner that we play for this this group called ps nation which is what is actually the longest running playstation podcast that's out there uh, they're just, I think, two episodes away from 500 episodes. So they've been doing this for a very, very long time. And uh, they actually do this fantastic raffle that's associated with not only Sony, but Naughty Dog, the guys that make Uncharted, uh, Warner Brothers Interactive, obviously, like, you know, the Batman Arkham games, EA, 
uh, Ubisoft, all these people. So there's a lot of good stuff that you can get out of this. So it gives you a little extra incentive. So if you want to know a little bit more about that, head over to psnation.com. You can read about it. They have a little special special, uh, uh, special events tab. Look at Extra Life 2016. You'll see all the list of prizes, the raffle rules right there. So if you want to do that, that's a way to do it. And then just ask us for our links. Me and Ben will provide them to you. And uh, yeah, definitely check it out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some cool breaking news that we just got right before we started um, recording, but we will save that to the news segment. Some of you who've uh, who've been on the Facebook, we've already got a lot of likes and comments on it. So some of our listeners already know what it is, and obviously you'll probably know what it is by the time you're listening to this, since this will be out later. But we'll talk about it a little bit later on. Let's go into the DC Essentials portion of the podcast. And Bullet we point. Will- Oh, bullet point. That's right. <laughs> Essentials is the. I'm excited. I'm excited to talk about news too, so it's okay. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to the DC bullet point section of the issue, in which we give each of this week's five episodes uh, our one of our three point ratings. That being sidekick, hero, or legend. We'll start off first with Gotham. Um, of course, it has. Uh, I almost forgot the the episode number. Season three, episode seven. And what would you give this one, Rob? Sidekick, hero, or legend? Ooh, this was, uh, I felt bad having to do this this week because uh, I don't think I've done many of these yet this season, but I definitely give this a sidekick. Um, I don't think there's anything I could have done to give this anything higher. It, it went against some of the biggest things that I hate in shows, and uh, it, it focused on so many of them in one episode that I'm like, this is just hard for me to watch. Uh, yeah, I'm, well, I'm not going to give it a sidekick. I'm giving it a hero this week. I, I will say this, that, and and this is no detriment to any of the shows because there were a couple legends throughout this week. Um, this is one of the weaker weeks that we've had since all five of these shows have been on. Yeah, um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely say that. So, And that's not to say that the shows weren't entertaining or weren't good. They're just not as high ratings as this week but this uh next episode supergirl season two episode four sidekick hero or legend uh this week gets a hero uh same with me it's uh not a legend but uh a hero and it's probably a a strong hero for me well no i take that back i'm looking at some of the notes that i made it's probably like a mid-level hero yeah it's it's honestly it's right in the middle they didn't do anything horrible but they didn't do anything amazing yeah uh, next up, The Flash, Season 3, Episode 5, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Um, originally, I was thinking Hero for a while, but then the end of the episode did something I've been wanting to see them do, and it pushed it right into Legend, uh, legend, territory, for, uh, legend territory for me. Uh, again, very low legend in my mind, but um, I'm really happy that we got to see some good stuff with Jillian, finally. Yeah, uh, I agree with that, too, and I'm looking forward to talking about that a little bit later on, is... Uh, there was probably one of my favorite moments of of that episode, and like I said, we'll get to it. But there were two big issues that I had with this episode that, unfortunately, that at the end wasn't enough to push it in the legend. It is still a hero, though, and it's uh, probably like a mid-level hero for me as well. Okay. Uh, Arrow Season 5, Episode 5, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Legend for me. I didn't think I'd be saying that again for a while, because... Uh... <laughs> I honestly, after the last episode, I think I gave the last one a hero um, and I was worried that the show was going to start slipping backwards. And it kind of felt like this was like a five part comic book arc and it ended in a great way. Uh, All the things I needed to see from characters moving forward all happened in one shot and they did it in a great way. Great action. 
and really good character moments. Really, really good character moments. So, yeah, definitely deserves that legend. Uh, I have this as legend as well, and it's funny that you bring that up with character moments because right next to legend I have in asterisk character development. Uh, yes. That is one is a that is a big reason as to why I gave this episode a legend status. And there's something that happened in this episode we'll, and that we'll get to it when we start breaking down the episode that I am I'm starting a new segment of the show. Uh, OK, we're going to add it into when we do the secret origins portion uh, just for fun. But it's something you'll you'll realize what it is when we get to it. And lastly, we have Legends season two, episode four, sidekick hero or legend. All right, I got to say it right off the bat before I even give the score. It felt like this week and actually this entire season that the mantra over the writer's room for Legends of Tomorrow is now kind of they just looked across the hall, looked at the you know, flash writers and like humor, heart and spectacle. They're carbon copying it and they're getting really good things from it. This show definitely this week deserved a legend. Uh, I gave this one a legend as well. This one. Uh, and, of course, when we talk about it, I'll explain why. This episode I loved and found really difficult to watch at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and it's more because of the subject matter that this episode um, dives into. But, again, we'll talk about that when we get to Legends at the end of Secret Origins. But speaking of that, let's dive into the Secret Origins portion and begin breaking down these episodes, starting first with Gotham Season 3, Episode episode 7, titled Mad City, The Red Queen. After coming in contact with a substance by the hand of Mad Hatter, Jim Gordon gets led on a psychedelic trip and must confront his past, present, and future. Meanwhile, Penguin struggles with Nygma's new relationship. Uh, This is one of the first sidekicks I think either one of us has given this season. I I don't think there's been a sidekick yet. I think this is the first one. I, I think right. it might. I think it might be. I, I'm not sure. I, I want to say there was another one in there, and I think it actually was for Gotham. Um, I could be wrong on that. We, I think that, but this actually, I know is definitely one of the first. Um, as far as like, we haven't given many of them out, but I think this episode, for me specifically, I thought really, really deserved it. Uh, one good thing I think happened in this episode, but I hated the way that it came around. I think that this episode suffered. Three massive tropes in my mind. Um, one was right away um, seeing Bruce Wayne and him whipping up a storm and cooking and blah, blah, blah. And you, the moment that he sets the table waiting for his date with Selena, you knew she's either not going to show up or show up incredibly late. You didn't need to see how that story was going to unfold. It felt like a waste to, to throw his character in this episode. Granted, I don't know what the hell they would have put in it, but <laughs> it was a waste of a moment. They could have done something so much better. He's really got shunted in this season, which is a shame because we saw so much great development from David Mizzou, uh and his his interpretation of Bruce Wayne last season. And we're barely seeing him this year because it seems like right now I'm getting concerned. I'm really getting concerned about the show because it seems like they're not quite sure what to do. Um, they had these very strong story arcs that are taking over half of each season. Um like you said, you know, last season we had, you know, the Order of St. Dumas and then we had the Hugo Strange stuff. I thought the first half of the season was going to be very much Court of Vowels, which is turning out not to be more than likely the second half of the season. And they're taking what I think should have been maxed out at three, maybe four episodes total. I think three episodes, honestly, 
for the Mad Hatter, and they're taking it, and it seems like this is going to be our big focal point for the first half of the season. And I think it was the wrong choice because that story is getting very old very, very quickly. Um, And I'm kind of sad to see them doing that. He was a character that's been a lot of fun. Like, Jervis Tetch was a lot of fun. Now it's getting it kind of... It feels like it's a rehash every week when we sh- we see him. And this week, you know, he has this whole drug that he's going to use against Jim Gordon to kind of make his mind snap, put him on a little psychedelic trip, and then it's going to wreck his brain. We all obviously know this is not going to happen. But what it did cause was, hey, look, we need to find a way to move his character forward. Let's do it in dream sequences. Great. Awesome. Wonderful. And it was just a waste of time it was a waste of it was just kind of like we need to get other characters in so we'll have barbara kind of be his guide through it she wasn't she wasn't even fun in that yeah she had a couple quick moments but somebody that's every time she shows up on screen you're excited and i'm like oh my god we're gonna get a lot of barbara and it felt wasted it was such a wasted opportunity to do something fun with it and they we got like three or four little vignettes none of them felt great with the exception of the very last one with the moment with him and his father. With his father, yeah. Everything else was kind of like, hey, look, here's a really over-the-top 1950s dinner sequence with him and Lee and their fake two kids. And I'm like, it wasn't even unsettling, which is what they were trying to do. It just felt dumb. Um, I, I And then there was the whole young Bruce wearing a mask of Jim Gordon, which just looked weird. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. I, there was... There was so much to not like about those sequences, with the exception of the little bit we get at the tail end of that. And then unnecessary relationship drama that they're now making between Ed, his new girl, and Penguin. And I'm like, great, now this is going to stretch on for way too long. And it's just like, I don't like where this is going. So uh, Yeah, I'm, I, I do agree with a lot of those points. I think I definitely agree with the whole uh, Barbara usage in the flashbacks i mean the moment i saw barbara kind of as his guide in the flashbacks i thought to myself the same thing you did i was like oh this is great at the way she has been throughout these past couple episodes it's um you know she's going to be a fantastic guide and you're right there was not a lot of those we didn't get those point barbara keen moments that we've gotten in the past episodes you know like not the best party ever or you know that was unnecessary like we didn't really get any of that the closest thing we got to any of that was when she's in like this skimpy nurse's uniform and, you know, she says, well, you put me in this. And that really wasn't even anything spectacular or funny. Right. Um, and then you see her snap and be like, hey, look, she's ho- holding up broken glass to his throat in a dream. So it's not like she can kill him. So there's no sense of danger. The things that they did with her when she's so unhinged, and you don't know what's coming because they used her in this setting. You know what's coming because it's based off of Jim's brain. So. Anything that makes her kind of that wild card character where you don't know what's coming, when you kind of neuter her character in that light, it doesn't work. Yeah. I think if Bruce was the one guiding him through it, it actually could have been – they could have found a way to make it a little bit more poignant. And I think having Barber being his guide through his, his dream sequence didn't make sense. Well, you even mentioned the trope, too, of you know the whole 50 scene with him and Lee and the family and everything. I mean – we just saw that in another DC property, what, three or four months ago in Suicide Squad. Right. You know, with Harley and Joker, where she imagines, you know, she pictures them pictures them as normal having a family. Like, this is already a trope that we've seen just months ago this year with another Batman character. We don't need to see it again in right. this show. And what worked about them doing that in Suicide Squad is that makes you kind of think about how Harley's brain works. 
it was what she's imagining because she's insane. So it makes her gives her a sense of normalcy, but also proves how batshit insane she is. With Jim Gordon, it's just kind of like, well, we need to find a way to make him a cop again. How do we do this? I don't know. Let's rush his character development in this sequence. And that was it. It was I, I didn't like how they carry that moment out. So I'm, I was kind of disappointed about it. It's kind of he wakes up. He's like, oh, this is the code I'm supposed to live by. Something that's that important to his history as a family uh, in his family that they tell us in this episode. How would he forget this? And it, that's what kind of disappoints me because it basically makes Jim's character seem like he's not intelligent. You know, like he, this is the guy that's supposed to be one of the best detectives in the DC universe. And the fact that he can't hold on to something that's important to him from his dad and the way that he lives and the code that he lives by kind of was disappointing. And it only was there to kind of give you the little kick of where things are going to go with the court of vows later. And that's it. That's yeah. all it was there for. And force him back into being a cop before Barnes dies. That's it. That's all it was there for. And I was really upset to see them kind of throw away chances to do some really interesting things because Again, I guess goes to the Penguin Riddler stuff that's going on right now. I really wanted that girl that I can't remember uh, the girl that Ed's into um, her name, but the fake Mrs. Kringle. Uh, <laughs> we'll just call her. Yeah, Kringle. We'll, we'll, how about this? We'll just refer to her as Kringle Two for for, for future sake. Um, Kringle Two. Kringle Two. The re-Kringling, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. I really wanted her to not be real, be inside of his head. Like the whole idea that they focus so heavily on like Penguin and him both being like, look, we're sane. We even framed it. You know, we know we're good. We know that Ed is insane. He's batshit nuts. He, he's got multiple personality disorder. This would have been the best thing for them to do is say, nope, this is just another voice in his head. But when they actually had Penguin meet up with her and I'm like, well, there takes all that out of their sales. So I would assume this is going to turn into a jealousy trope and uh, uh, this, you know, love triangle. And I'm like, great. I, this is not what I want to see out of these characters. I want to see them either try to take down Gotham together or if she is real, Penguin immediately kills her. And now these two people become bitter rivals and we watch them try to dismantle each other. Give us something solid. Well, I That's think not what. That's probably where it's going to go. I, and that's but... what I think. I think that's where it's going. I mean, her name is Isabella, by the way. Isabella. Isabella. Yeah. Um, but I, I like I like Kringle, too. Um, yeah, I think that's where it's going. I think we're starting to see – I think we've seen too much of a good Oswald for too long. Yeah, um, and, and when I, that happened last season, we got a great Oswald after that. But I really – don't want to watch another two or three episodes of this back and forth happening when they could be doing interesting things with these characters. Yeah. Uh, going back to the Mad Hatter for a second, too. I'm starting to realize what you – I mean, it's funny that you're bringing up how, you know, it, it, the storyline is getting stale. It's it's running too long. When last week we thought that was probably one of the best episodes they had done with Hatter, um, you know, with everything with – with all the traps that he was setting and the puzzles and the people that were getting killed in the process, you know, it's, it was almost like Saul esque with, with the things that he was doing, uh, you know, which led to Vicky Vale, Victoria Vale getting shot in the gut. And we got a conclusion to that. And, you know, we made the prediction last week or I made, I brought up the question is, did he know that, you know, it wasn't reverse psychology. And I think we kind of found out this week. Yes. He, he kind of knew 
which way he was going to go. He said Lee knowing he would shoot Victoria. And even Victoria called him out on it, and and Lee called him out on it. You know, like, they all saw past that completely. Jim knew it. They every, Everybody knew it. And then Hatter knew it. But I think what was really bad about this is Hatter's, Hatter's plan was taking Alice's body out of the morgue um, and getting the last drops of her blood out. And I love the fact that they at least were smart enough to not be like, look, he's got jugs of this stuff now. It was just one small bottle because, again, corpse, you know. That's yeah. kind of what happens. Um, but I mean, my, st- and, and sorry to interrupt you, but oh, go ahead. It's a body in a morgue. I'm just going to put this out there. Um, that body would have been drained by now. Yeah, none of that would have been in there. So I mean, that alone, I understand why they did it. He needed to go find Alice to get her blood and everything. But in real life, and I know it's a television show, but in real life, that would not happen. That body yeah. is drained in the moment it is brought in the morgue. So. There'd be no blood for him. Unless, and the only thing you could potentially even look at with all that is the fact that they know her blood is tainted and they don't want to touch her body yet, which is why they said they had it on ice. Because, and then there was the label that says do not incinerate because they're still trying to figure out what to do. I guess that's like the medical examiner being Lucius Fox being like, well, we know this is bad, so I'm not going to touch this because I don't want to get myself fucked up. Um, so that I can at least look past. I think it's yeah. just the idea where it wasn't even Jim. Like, Hatter's kind of mean enemy in all this that took him down. It was Barnes. And that was it. So it felt like it was a bad conclusion to a story that's gone on too long. And unfortunately, I think it's not over. And um, it's not. And I think that's that's unfortunately, if that's going to be what drives us through the rest of the first half of the season... I think we got some long weeks and maybe potentially a couple more sidekicks coming. And I think that's – I'm starting to put two and two together, and I don't know why I realized this till now. But that's probably why it's called Mad City is because yeah. Mad Hatter is the focus for this first half. Yeah. So, so I, I didn't put it together until now. but Yeah, you know. actually the funny thing is I didn't think about it either. But, yeah, <laughs> I mean it's – you know, we know Barnes is on his way out. Jim's back to being a cop. So it's kind of sort of the status quo – more than likely, we'll see maybe Bullock or Jim step up after Barnes loses his shit, which is coming probably in at least another episode or two because we see Barnes snap again when they're trying to track down Hatter. But I, you know what? I, I wish I cared, but after this episode, everything is very clear as day where a lot of stuff is going, with the exception of what's going to happen with Barnes. Um, we still are... My thought is still that he's going to become Grundy. I don't know where you stand on our theory at this Same point. Same place. I, I think it's. I still think he's going to be Grundy. I've heard rumors and read rumors online that he's going to become Killer Croc, but I I see Grundy over Croc. I, I yeah, mean, I, I, I mean, don't even know how he would become Croc at this point. Yeah, I'm I'm not really quite sure at this point where where we're going to go with things, but I want Jim back into the mix because it gets Bullock back in the mix. Yeah. Where, oh yeah. Where, we're barely seeing any of Donald Logue, which is a shame because he's one of their best cast members. And he, I've mentioned that before in our in our annual of season two. Like he very quickly in the second season became one of my favorite characters in that show behind Oswald Enigma. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. We need to see a little bit more of him coming around. Yeah. And I know a lot of people don't like the villain of the week kind of episodes, but I think we need to get a couple of them in there to kind of shake things up a little bit, get maybe back to the status quo, try to get away from some of the storylines that they're doing, give it a little bit of breathing room, because I think 
had her week after week after week. It's fun at the start, but even my wife was joking when we were watching. It was like, oh, my God, if he talks another second, I want to break the TV. Like, <laughs> the, the prose works the way that he's talking, but when you get too much of it, it starts to grate on you a little. Yeah. Um, and I do like the actor, and I think he's they're doing he's doing a decent job with the role, but it's too much too quick. And I think that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, and of course, before we wrap it up, I think you're right too with the second half of the season being Court of Owls, because uh, it looks like by the end scene of this episode, seeing the guy with the the Court of Owls ring and such, it looks like they're they're starting to plant the seeds to that being after this show comes back from the break. Right, and the big question is: is that man that was wearing that signet ring that was the Gordon family is Jim's dad still alive and part of the Court of Owls? Yes. So that's a big question, and I'm not quite sure if that's where they're going to go quite yet. Um, but I think it would be an interesting way to move his char- uh, move Jim's character in a new direction uh, when he realizes his father is still alive and potentially leading this underground organization. But at the same time, that could also just be that ring is another, uh, the fact that maybe his father was part of the court at some point in time. And so I, I, I think it's, um, again, it's another television trope in that, you know, we... It, it, I think that's a hint that it could be Jim's father or Jim's father is involved because this is the first episode where we actually get to see Jim's father for the first time. So they have to put these two things in the same episode to kind of make the connection. It's a very loose connection, but the connection has been made now. Indeed. So uh, let's move on now to the next show, Supergirl season two, episode four. Uh, titled Survivors, Supergirl tries to stop an alien fight club run by Roulette while Hank gets to know McGann. Um, I gave this one a hero. I think you did as well. Yep. Uh, the alien fight club thing, um, this is why I didn't give this one a a, a legend this week. Uh, I wanted to, believe me. Um, yeah. Because I, I loved all the stuff, especially starting the episode off with seeing the war on Daxum and, and Daxum's downfall is, is beginning. And I love the interaction between Kara and Monel. Like, I'm, I'm really digging that. I even enjoyed a lot of the stuff with Martian Man, you know, with John and McGann. But the Alien Fight Club thing, I mean, I've seen it in so many different shows I've seen in Smallville. I think it was the same situation when we met roulette. It it makes sense because that's who that character is. But when we met roulette in Smallville, I wasn't crazy about her in Smallville either. There's only one time I've seen roulette. And when they, when I found out that they were going to do it, I was really hoping it was going to be as good as the justice league Unlimited episode, uh, which is the cat in the canary. It's the first episode of the second season. Um, where you see Black Canary um, and Wildcat and Wildcats going in Metabrawl. Uh, it was a great Green Arrow Black Canary episode, and it was one of my favorites of that show. And I loved Roulette in that episode. I thought she was fantastic. I had no idea she was coming in the show. I forget the actress's name, but she was back on uh, Joss Whedon's show Dollhouse. She was in The 100. Fantastic actress. Absolutely fantastic that portrayed her. She looked great. She looked identical to the character. Oh, yeah, I, I'll definitely give it that. And I was very, very surprised and happy to see it, but I was really disappointed with how it, they played it out. It was um, a little; it was more than a little disappointing. So, yeah, and, and I feel the same way again. It's just the Alien Fight Club thing has been overdone, has been done already. Roulette. The moment, I mean, they did the the perfect pan up where you saw the snake tattoo along her leg. See, I didn't know Roulette was this week. 
Yeah, um, I had no idea. Yeah, so, but the moment I saw the pan up, the pan up started, and I saw the snake on the leg, I was like, okay, this is roulette. This makes sense with an alien, with an alien fight club. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, now everything ties together as to why they're doing this. So, um, I'm starting more and more to believe in the prediction that you made last week in that it's not going to be Win and Alex. Uh, I think they're definitely building towards the Alex and Maggie uh, kind of connection. Oh, yeah. So, I yeah. mean, it was absolutely strong this week. I mean, hell, they went into this fight club holding hands with each other. So, um you know, and you could tell that they're kind of building on it a little bit because the moment that happened, you could see the uneasiness in Alex and uh, in Alexum, like she's a Daxum, um, in Alex. So they're definitely playing with this a little bit, but I'm enjoying watching where it's going. Yeah, I, I think honestly that that was one of the best moments of this episode. I really like that we're seeing this. I think there was a little bit of a synopsis from a future episode of Alex dealing with um, some new revelations, which is, I think it's just the fact that she realizes maybe she's gay. And I think that's actually really good. I like the idea that they're going in that direction, um, that she's got a thing for Maggie. I think that would be a really great pairing. Um, and I'd love to see it. I, I really, really like Kyler Lee in the show. I think she does a fantastic job. And I'd like to see them do some more things with her instead of her just being Kara's, you know, adopted sister, basically, and starting to get her outside of just the EO stuff. I want to see more of her normal life. And this is a great call, um, especially about shows about aliens feeling like outsiders. It's one of the best analogies you can make of making it relatable and kind of putting those pieces into play. Yeah. I think this is a really great move for the show. Yeah. I will admit a little early on in the episode, though, I did get a little nervous. Um, it was right around the time of the opening credit, or the opening logo, rather, because the, the show doesn't do credits. Um, it was it was almost like it was Supergirl crime drama, um, you know, because we have a homicide, we have a body in a trunk, we have two investigators that are examining it, and Kara flies in. I got a little worried because it started almost – it only lasted for maybe a couple minutes, but it really started to feel that way to me. Um, CSI, National City. Yes, that's almost exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> you know, I was thinking <laughs> superhero CSI. Like it had that feel to it for a short period of time, and I was like, ooh, I don't like this. I don't like this at all. I Like we, there's enough crime dramas. This is a superhero show. I want it to remain a superhero show. But thankfully it shook that. Right after the opening logo, it went back to, to what it was. So I was okay with that. Uh, another thing I'm, I'm starting to realize, and I'm sure you are too, is I'm starting to really get the – it's almost a Romeo and Juliet, um, Montague and Capulet kind of thing budding between Kara and Monel. Uh, there's definitely a connection between the two of them and their two houses. Again, just like Romeo and Juliet, Montague and Capulet, these are two houses that are not supposed to be together. And may end up together at some point in the course of the show. If Sons of Anarchy can go for, I forget how many seasons it went, based off of Hamlet, if they want to get a little Romeo and Juliet and Supergirl, do it up. Yeah, oh, I don't have a problem with it. I think it's it's great. And and I do like that connection with the two of them. I think it's going to work well. They play well off of each other. Um, and some of the best that we saw this week was just Monel going out there with a win and constantly fucking up. That was yes. so much fun to watch. And that was one of the things that made sure and didn't make this episode slip. I think the win Monel storyline, Car in the mix through that as well. But also, the, let's let's got I got to say right off the bat, the highlight of this episode, hands down, was McGann and John. 
Yeah, uh, agreed as well. Are we talking about the actual fight, or are we just talking about the entire episode, the interaction between the two of them? I think the interaction between uh, between the two of them and then the revelation that we get at the end, which I'm so happy they're following this comic arc with this. I'm very, very happy they're doing this. But, uh, yeah, um, it was awesome because, I mean, the whole idea throughout this episode is John just really wanting to connect and kind of be able to share their uh, share their the mental bond with uh, with McGann just because he wants to share his moments of Krypton uh, or not Krypton, sorry, uh, Mars. And yeah him doing that with the last female Martian just to give them that beautiful connection together and her just turning away his advances over and over. We get this fake backstory from her saying that a white Martian took pity on her, took, got her off world before the slaughter. Um, as he wasn't, that Martian wasn't able to, or the white Martian was not able to continue to uh, constantly kill only to find out at the end of the episode, she is the white Martian. Okay, so. that was going to be my next point, was I was going to be like, you know what, you're bringing this up, let's talk about this. Because I I took that as, it, that could possibly be one of two things. She's obviously taking the form of, you know, of a Martian, and, you know, there was the whole story with the white Martian and such. I took this as being one of two things. There's the one thing that you had mentioned in that she is the white Martian that she was talking about. Or... Was this just her looking at a reflection of the White Martian? Because as a Martian, she can take the form of anything. So, was oh she... no, she she is the White Martian. Okay, so, so uh, you this, know more of the backstory actually, than I do. This is actually a carbon copy of uh, one of the stories about Miss Martian. Okay. So, I mean, there obviously there's other versions out there. If you watch things like Young Justice, hit hit, we'll be talking about this later. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, I mean, like where we see different versions of that in that show. But specifically, them going with this comic book arc and not expecting him to go that route. I was expecting when they said, hey, Miss Martian's going to be in the mix, thinking they're going to treat her more along the, the lines of what they did with her in Young, Young Justice. But the fact that they went that far, I'm really, really proud of the show writers, uh, showrunners and the writers for t- going in this direction. I'm really happy they're doing this. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued because you know more of this backstory. You know more of the story of Miss Martian than I do. I mean, really, the only – I will admit it. Again, we're bringing this up. We're going to talk about this more in the news. But I now more than ever need to finish Young Justice because mm-hmm. uh, i am not finished it. So I, I'm not even familiar with the, the Miss Martian storyline from that. So um, I'm looking forward to what they're going to do with this. Because the moment she revealed herself as the White Martian at the end, I was like, oh, that's a nice little twist. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it came in a perfect episode. I love the fact that it's it's Kara and Monel burying the hatchet about rivalries. Um, then you have a, a fight club kind of talking about rivalries and then a green Martian and a white Martian. So I think it was a beautiful tie together with everything this week. I, it was it was the perfect placement of all this stuff. They did it in a great episode for it. Um, and while the Metabrawl stuff was kind of eh, whatever, that stuff I think was a huge highlight. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, so we talked about, obviously, we talked about Monel. We talked about, oh, I, I have two side notes that I wrote down. I just made two look um, two quick little notes. Uh, first off, uh, I, I applaud this show for using a song that I love. There is a scene with Wynn and Monel going into the bar. Uh, and in the bar is Oingo Boingo's Dead Man's Party. Oh, uh, Pro- yeah. Well, probably it was one perfect of... timing because of Halloween. So. Yes, and it's perfect. It's it's one of my all-time favorite Halloween songs. I listen to that every year. So when that started playing and I heard that that 
signature sound. I was like, all right, I'm going to love this scene. I don't even care what it's about. I'm going to love this scene. Uh, but on a, but on a note too, we were, this is something that we were talking about. I can't remember when we were talking about this. We were either talking about this over Halloween or maybe it was even during extra life. Somebody, our friend, um, Paul Fesh, who brought up something about improper use. Oh, it was during extra life with our friend Kenny's game, um, talking about parsecs, uh, and how, you know, 12 parsecs with the millennium Falcon is an improper use of the, of the form parsec. Roulette uses the proper form of Parsec in this episode. And for some reason, I heard that and I was like, oh, it just made me laugh that because we had just talked about that. And I, our listen, it's not going to mean anything with our listeners. It's just a side note that I made. I'm babbling now. <laughs> it's <a> quite OK. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the only other thing I can bring up about this, too, is we got a little bit of a hint that... Um, Lena Luther does indeed have ulterior motives. Oh, most definitely. Uh, you know, it was something you've you felt from the beginning because she's a Luther. Obviously, it's something that's connected. But when Kara goes to Lena for help, she's you know, she says, "Don't worry, I know you'll be there when I need something." You know, so it's it's very obvious that she's going to have an ulterior motive sometime down the road. She's going to need something from Kara, and it's probably not going to be something that Kara's going to like. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, I'm liking that we're only getting small little blips of Katie McGrath as Lena Luthor right now. I think they're doing that right of having keeping her in the background where Maxwell Lord last season was a little too front and center too often. But those this light touches of her are perfect. Yeah. So I, I think that's the right way to go. I think it's that build up. We don't quite know who our big bad or what our big bad's going to be. But I think right now we're all starting to feel Lena is going to be the build up. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, the only other thing I can think of to mention is another note that I made, and I was surprised I even picked up on this, but we got a mention, and I don't think we'll ever see it. I think it was just something they mentioned in passing. We got a mention of War World. Yeah, that was a nice little shock. I was like, when when uh, Monel brought up War World, and uh, sorry, just saying that out loud. It, it, yeah. DC, it, no, it makes me think of DCR because they always joked as this, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, which is funny because I'm actually talking to Brian Glenn as we speak right now too. So, <laughs> yeah, so um, yeah, it, it was a nice little, it was a nice little um, comment in passing that we got a nice little nod to you know to another element of the DC universe mm-hmm. that I liked. So um, that makes me hope that maybe Mongols in the future, maybe well, it's a wait and see, but uh, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, so. so. But yeah, I think that's that pretty much covers Supergirl. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that as well. So let's move on then to the next episode being The Flash Season 3, Episode 5, titled Monster. Caitlin visits her mother to help her understand her growing metahuman powers. Barry tries to convince Julian to let him help investigate a new metahuman attacking Central City. Well, right off the bat, that synopsis is wrong. Uh, in which we find out it is not a metahuman that is attacking Central City. So, yeah, way to go, IMDb. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, the show, the episode definitely does. The title is absolutely a double meaning with with this episode. In We get two main storylines. We get a monster that is roaming the streets of Central City. Uh, and we get Caitlyn storyline, who is very obviously, if you didn't pick up on it already, she's becoming Killer Frost. Right. Uh, you know, visiting her mom. You did make a prediction that, uh, and I think it was you, it could have been somebody else, that she was going to end up killing her mother. Yes. Um, we didn't see that, but we did see 
her almost severely killing uh, her mother's lab assistant, yes. who was trying to use her for his own gain. Um, so close, but no cigar on that one for me. So, yeah. um, I, I'll. I'm going to start with this one because I know you gave this one a legend. I gave this one a hero. Um, And I know that I had mentioned earlier on there were two issues that I had with this episode. Julian at the end, um, which we'll talk about, you know, revealing his past. We got to learn a little bit more about Julian. And then, of course, the awesome moment with him and Barry at the end. It didn't make up for the two issues that I had. The first one is I did not like the monster in the city element. And it being I predicted it being a hologram from the very start of this episode it was totally predictable to me um because i mean seriously like what else could it have been the only other thing i was thinking that it could have been was it could have been one of the aliens from the upcoming invasion storyline and we were going to go back to it later during the storyline you know during the crossover because it is only a couple weeks away Mm -hmm. um but very obviously, I, I thought, you know, this is, it's a hologram. Like, that's the only thing it can be. It's very obviously a hologram. And it turns out to just be a kid who's good at computers who's generating this hologram. I felt that was a total throwaway story. It did add to the element. It gave Julian and Barry an opportunity to work together. But it, that could have been anything that did that. It didn't have to be this story. Yeah, but I mean, I will say, while that was, I think, the big throwaway of it all, um, Barry really trying to rectify the relationship with Julian, I think, was one of the most interesting things, because it also played well off with what was happening in Star Labs. Um, Because one of the big factors that we didn't talk about this episode was HR and Cisco's relationship and how that was playing out, because, oh my god, that was fucking wonderful. Okay. I... that story arc um this is my other issue with the episode okay do it up um i have mentioned before that uh tom cavanaugh is my favorite character in the show wells is my favorite character of the show that has changed i do not like hr okay i know he's very we've talked about this uh, off off the podcast he's very similar to the character that tom cavanaugh played in scrubs you know in, in being jd's brother he's very mm-hmm. kind of like that and i loved that character it fit in with that show i uh, for some reason he just rubs me the wrong way um this version of wells i kind of hope that we get back to the wells that we know i understand that every time we get a new version of wells it's new interactions with cisco and i do enjoy that but for some reason this one just doesn't sit right with me i'm i don't hate him I just don't like him nearly as much as I've liked the other versions of Wells that we've seen. Well, I think a big part of that is if you think about it and you go back to season one and season two, Wells was always kind of like that at the start. And it wasn't until you start breaking him down because the Wells that we got from Earth 2, you're like, wow, this guy is evil. I'm waiting for the turn. Come on, get it over with, blah, 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 blah. And then you grew to absolutely love him. And I love that they're treating that with an absolutely different angle this time around. I really think that they're instead of they, they I love they do the setup of the evil ulterior motive. And you're like, nope, he's a writer. And I love that he's just like, I write science fiction and romance. You know, you got to write what you know. Yeah. And I love the fact that he's so over the top 
because it's showing how great Kavanaugh is. He's gi- he's giving us such a drastically different character. And I really loved that, and I really th- was kind of concerned at the beginning of the episode because Barry's crashing with Cisco at this point, where Barry's just kind of like, "Well, I'm staying here. Let me make you food." And I'm like, "Oh, we're gonna get back to Cisco and Barry's issues here." And I'm like, "No, it's actually not that at all. It's really Cisco that bothered by Wells. Like the new Wells is really, really." Shaking him to his core, and he really does not like him. But I think that was the idea of this episode. So I really, when I was kind of worried about it at first, because I'm not a big fan of the new Wells, but I am at the same time, because I like how drastically different he is, and how drastically different that this shapes this team. Uh, Because I want to see what they do with it, but I also love that the uneasiness that I had as a viewer, the rest of the Star Labs and the Team Flash all felt it as well. So they're really kind of being open with us as viewers saying, look, we know this is a massive changeup. They don't like it. You may not, but give us time. And they even kind of wrote that. He's like, give me a month. Let me show you what I'm worth. And that's, I think, the right message to to walk away from this episode. Give them time because so far, every version that they've given us of Kavanaugh's character has always walked away and proved to be our favorite character. So – yeah. I'm going to absolutely give them the time to do it. And that's the thing. Like, I, right now, I may not like him. I may not be crazy about this version of Wells. But you did make a good point in that, you know, the other versions of Wells we grew to like over time. And we've only had, what, two episodes of HR? No, we've gotten one and a stinger at the end of the episode prior. That's all okay. we've had. This was our first real episode with him. This is our first full full episode with HR. Um so, yeah, so I, I'll give it time. Hopefully he grows on me, but just for some reason, this episode, I just, I wasn't crazy about it. Um, totally I, understandable. I did come up with an idea, and I would love to see somebody do this. And it's basically because there are so many, and DC has the means to do this. We've seen 7-Elevens become pop-up um, quickie marks. Quickie Marts. We've seen coffee shops become pop-up coffee shops of, you know, whatever was in Gilmore Girls and and Friends. Uh, I want to see somebody become a pop-up of Big Belly Burger. (laughs) If only just for a week. I want to see it happen. I want to see DC make some kind of collaboration with McDonald's or Burger King or Wendy's or whatever. Just for like a week. Only a couple stores throughout the country. Doesn't have to be them all. I want to see a pop-up Big Belly Burger. I want, I, I want to see that, and I want to see some CC jitters everywhere. Yeah, you know, just, just for a tiny little bit of time, do it during the crossover week. Promote the living hell out of that, because it's going to be such an awesome spectacle to see. At least we hope it will be. Um, but I, I, I really think that that's the way to go. And I think you're right. I, I think that's a, that would be such an amazing PR move. I think um, it would be great because I would purposely go, even if I didn't eat anything, because I'm watching what I'm eating right now, but even if I didn't eat anything, I would go and order a shit ton of everything just to save the packaging it came in. Mm-hmm. Because that would be up on a shelf in my, in my, in, you know. You with, know what? All you got to do is jump on over to Red Redbubble. I guarantee if you type in Big Belly Burger, you can buy a t-shirt of it as we speak. Oh, so. I'm sure you can. <laughs> I've got my CC Jitters uh, t-shirt, so I wear it proudly. Well, I still need to get like my Star Labs t-shirt and mm-hmm. and all that other fun stuff. But I mean, just like <laughs> a hamburger, a cardboard hamburger, cardboard big belly burger hamburger container 
dude, that'd be awesome. I want to see mm-hmm. a big belly pop up. DC, if you are listening, if anybody else is listening who has any pool, let's make this happen. Seriously. <laughs> that would be fantastic. Uh, but I got to say, one of the things I absolutely adored, though, about this episode was honestly, though, it was the interactions back and forth with Jillian and Barry. Yes. Uh, this episode proved why Tom Felton is on the show, because he gave us such a fantastic performance this week. You understood him. You believed him. Yeah, he may turn out to be the bad guy because anybody you usually trust in the show ends up becoming one. But I, I really cared about him. I really cared about him by the end of all this. I loved his motivation on why he hates Meadows was why is it that every single one of them that's out there uses their powers for something horrible? And he's like, if I had that, all I would want to do is change the world for the better. And that was enough for me just as a viewer. And I think Barry as well to be like, I kind of understand where he's coming from at this point. And Barry kind of being like, I'm going to change his mind about the situation and save him from a bad situation. And everything changed, which led to this great ending moment between the two of them as Barry's packing up his desk as he's getting ready to move to his new basement office of, you know, uh, Julian just being like, no, please stay. And he's like, you know what? I was wrong about the flash. Maybe I was wrong about you. Yeah. And Barry just looked at him and was like, do you want to get a drink? And they're like, yeah, let's go. And I love the fact that Barry has another friend because it's something that he feels like he needs so much now to replace what he's lost so far. And yeah. I really want to see these guys kind I actually really want to see him end up being somebody that stays good. I don't want them to fall into the trap of him becoming maybe being the person that's alchemy or any of this stuff. I really and, want to see Julian as a good guy and maybe end up becoming a part of Team Flash. And I thought the same exact thing, too. Like, I, I made the predictions earlier on in this season, uh, you know, that possibly Julian is is alchemy. And after that scene, I was really hoping he's not. Because I love the interaction. I love the connection that the two of them had. And you're absolutely right. The whole, you know, I, I was okay on the episode. And then at the very end, when Julian's walking out and Barry says... Do you want to grab a drink? And he just turns around and he says, yes, I'd like that. Dude, that put a huge smile on my face. That was Mm -hmm. such a great way to end that episode. Um, And if he does not become alchemy, if he's not alchemy, um, which I'd be kind of confused now if he is. Um, You know, because he's this guy that's talking about why are so many people using these abilities for bad things. But yet, in the meantime, if he is alchemy, he's put it basically turning all these people into these bad people. Yeah. Um, so it would almost kind of confuse me at this point now if Julian is alchemy. So I'm kind of hoping that he's not. Yeah. But, but if he's not, the question I, I pose now is, does Julian find out that Barry is the Flash? I, I mean, point? honestly, you know what? I, I think he could be basically the replacement for Eddie. Uh, which I think was having Rick Costnett really not involved at all last season. It was kind of sad and a little bit disappointing um, because he brought something kind of special and different to season one. Last season, we had Patty Spivitt, who I absolutely adored as well. And if he kind of fills that role, I think that would be something kind of awesome. And I would really, really love to see it because if Caitlin does go off the rails for a little while, having him step in to take that seat at Star Labs while they're trying to get Caitlin back to normal could actually fit and work really well this season. I think that might be a good call. They have, he has somebody else with a very great scientific mind, and everybody else loves him. Like, they always joke, like, Joe and Cisco, they're like, Julian's great. Why Why do you have such a problem with him? Yeah. And, and if 
because that already shows that everybody else really likes this guy. And now that Barry understands why they like him so much, because Barry's just getting to know him for the first time, this could be this could work out really well. And I think it, it would be a great move for the show for them to go this direction because I really like seeing Tom Felton with this cast already. And we've always seen him really interact with Barry and Joe, but and Captain Singh at this point after the little bit of this episode where we see him being like, he was late how many times? This, this, and this. No more infractions. Fuck this shit. You know, all this crap. Um <laughs> But I love that. I love that he's such a stickler, but we understand why. Like, he's fought for everything. And I love that story that we get that, you know, he's from old money, and all he ever wanted to do was be a scientist. So he came to the States to live out his dreams, because if he stayed in England, he was kind of fucked. Like, his family would never allow him to be that. And he said he was the best of the best. And then Meadows came into our world, and everything about him changed, and he got pushed all the way down to the bottom again, only to have to now fight back backwards i mean back up to the top um so it's a great reasoning for his character and i really like it in this world it fits it feels good i love that flash is always about redemption uh and we're seeing that even with the villains this season like we saw it with magenta we saw it with a kid that brought this giant monster and we had papa joe who's not just papa to iris and wally and barry but now papa to the world basically (laughs) um (laughs) But I love that that's that's what this season seems to be all about. We've got it with Wells. We're going to have it with Caitlin, Cisco. Uh, I mean, all these characters are all finding ways to redeem themselves. And the fact that they're doing it with the villains, for most of the villains we've seen, obviously not with Top and Mirror Master so far, but I, it's a really great angle on this season. When they said this is going to be a lighter season, it's more hopeful. I'm definitely seeing that. And that's why I definitely gave this a legend, because it's really proving what they're trying to do this season. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was a strong ending to this episode that definitely redeemed a lot of the episode. But I just, for some reason, I I didn't feel that urge to give it a legend this week, which is a shock to me because this is the first episode of The Flash this season I have not. But the first Mm -hmm. four, I I gave legends. But, I mean, I knew it wasn't going to be a perfect season when it came to legends for The Flash. If any show could do it, it would be The Flash. But I knew it wasn't going to happen. There's always going to be some lighter episodes. Uh, Oh, yeah. And next week, I have a feeling next week's probably going to go back to right back to legend again. Cause yeah, because no flash this week. Oh, that's <laughs> that's right. Yeah, no. I well, I meant the next episode, not next yeah. week. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, you know, now that you bring that up, you know, next week we're only going to have four shows to talk about. As tomorrow, Tuesday, at the time you're listening to this, uh, or whenever you're listening to this, is election day. So nobody's going to be competing with election coverage. Flash is a rerun this week, so. Uh, no flash to talk about next week. Um, so uh, probably a little bit of a shorter show, but that's all right. But yeah, the next episode of flash that we're getting, um, is probably going to lead more towards Wally becoming kid flash in this timeline. Yeah. And then, uh, the week after that, we got our Kevin Smith episode. So, and then we're not far away from the big crossover. So that's, uh, end of the month, man. Lots to be, lots to be excited about guys. The week after Thanksgiving is the crossover and I cannot wait. And we're aiming to, we'll talk about it again at the end of the episode, but we're, we're reaching out to some people for some special guests for that episode. Well, hopefully we'll have one or two people on the show and, Actually, no, we'll just say it now because uh, I don't want to give you guys names and, and chances that they can't. But we're definitely going to make sure we have guests. I know normally by now we probably have some of the, the names that you've heard on the show before, like TJ and Craig and um, our friend Maddox. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, like, and they'll be here. We promise that it's not just going to be us yapping on it. It's just this has been 
probably the most hectic start of a season for us because so much is going on for us personally. But those people will come in, but there's other names that I'm sure some of you guys would like to hear and some that you're not expecting to hear. And we can promise you at least you'll hear one or two of them before the season's wrapped. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I guess the only other thing worth mentioning for this is we get more and more progression into the whole Killer Frost thing, which is probably most likely going to come to a head in about three weeks when we get Kevin Smith's episode titled Killer Frost. Uh, if any, if the the good, is it the, it's the good dinosaur, right? Or was uh, it Runaway Dinosaur? The Runaway Dinosaur. Runaway Dinosaur. I was getting confused. Good Dinosaur was the Disney movie. Runaway Dinosaur was the Kevin Smith episode. If that episode is any indication as to what Kevin can do with these shows. And that was probably hands down my favorite episode of last season. Uh, I cannot wait to see what he's going to do with this. Yeah. Um, Especially considering the fact that we're going to get a Supergirl episode out of him a little bit later on down the road as well. So I I, I really can't wait. And I think his episode is the episode right before the three-point crossover. The three-point crossover. Uh, yeah, I believe it is. So, yeah, there, there's a lot that's coming. Uh, but, yeah, the last little bit that we got from her is uh, a message from her mom at the end of her leaving the lab when they realize there's nothing that they could do to help her. And after she injures the lab assistant, we just find a quick message and we get this says, you can't use your powers. The more and more you use your powers and she snaps and you don't hear the rest of the message because, of course, you don't. And that's all we get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's... um. I mean, it's seeming more and more to that she I had said before that I would be interested to see if she could keep the powers but not become evil. Uh, But then she wouldn't become killer frost. So it looks more and more like it's the powers that are inside of her that cause her to become evil at the same time. Uh, And I think you're right. I think your prediction was right on point in that this is going to be one of those situations where she's going to have to make a redemption as well. And because she's probably going to go rogue for a little while. Yeah. And it'll be very interesting to see which what direction they take that. Yeah. So Arrow. Arrow. Let's do it. Uh, yeah. Let's talk Arrow. Season five, episode five, titled Human Target. I know we were both big fans of this episode. Uh, the synopsis, when Tobias Church captures and tortures one of Oliver's new recruits, Oliver must turn to an old friend, Christopher Chance, a.k.a. the Human Target. So happy to see him show up finally. Uh, meanwhile, Felicity's worlds collide when Detective Malone joins the ACU. Um, let's start right off with Christopher Chance, because I did mention, you know, man, I know there was a television show on Fox called Human Target that I think was supposed to be based on this character. Uh, I could be wrong about that. I'm, I never watched it, so I don't know. Um, but man, everything I know about this character from the comic book seemed to play out perfectly on screen. And so I was so happy that they. it seems like they did this character right. Yeah, I mean, they, they played this great trope, but you know what? It, it was fun. It was that whole Ollie's getting targeted by, you know, Tobias Church, who finds out Oliver's identity after he constantly beat the living crap out of Renee. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we see a very battered and bruised wild dog, but... In the mix of this, he did give up Oliver's identity, which, you know, hey, it happens. Look at Cisco. I mean, back <laughs> yeah. in the flash. I mean, it does happen. So we do see, you know, the best way to handle this is make it look like Mayor Queen is dead. Who better, who better to do this than Christopher Chance? So we do see that trope play out and that fake uh, 
fake fake out moment of seeing a dead Mare Queen. Uh, but thankfully, they didn't waste time, and they got right back to the Arrow Cave, and we see Oliver alive and well, and them discussing why they're doing what they're doing. Yes. Um, but it played out so great. Like, Human Target was a great character, and it wasn't just here we saw him. We also saw him tied to the uh, Bratva storyline. Yeah, I and I have a note about that as well, is that this, it's very similar to the time that Constantine came into the show for the one episode, in that this is a character that... Oliver has had a run-in with before. With Constantine, he knew who Constantine was. He is the one that called Constantine and brought Constantine in. Uh, so, I mean, because he had met with him in in um, whatever island it was that uh, or Nanapur. No, not Nanapur. That was that's Lian Yu. Lian Yu. That's when you take the other path behind the city. <laughs> okay, nice. I'm glad you got that joke. Uh, I had to think about it for a half a second. I'm a little off today, but yeah, our our, our going back to our joke from see, from the last season with the the short path to Nanopart Bot behind the city. Um, but yeah, it's but this time around, he had the run in with Christopher Chance. Only he didn't know about it this time. Uh, so it, it's I I hope this is not the last we see of Christopher Chance. Um, even to the point where, you know, when they were battling Tobias Church and all his goons and everything, and at the very, um, you know, and at the end when the one henchman is the guy that shoots a couple of Tobias Churches and he pulls his face off and, you know, it turns out it's him underneath. Uh, but I want to I wanna touch base on something real quick, and this is, this is the whole new segment that I want to start. Because we've been doing this for the past couple weeks, and we've been doing it intentionally, and I want to turn it into a thing. There's the scene that you had mentioned how they go right back to everything after the death of Oliver Queen. Uh, and, you know, they go back down to the Arrow Cave and you see Oliver down there. And then Christopher Chance walks up wearing Oliver's face. He takes it off and he throws it to Felicity. The line immediately afterwards where Felicity puts the face up to hers and says, you have failed this city. <laughs> Dude had me laughing out loud. To me, that is the line of the week. All right, let's do it. We'll, we will throw in the line of the week at the end of the uh, of Secret Origins every week. Yes, because you know we've had because... we've had best party ever. You know we and you know in past seasons we had you know Cisco with the Specto Patrona. We there's always seems to be one in five shows. There's bound to be one. So oh, yeah, we're gonna start this from now on. We're gonna wrap up Secret Origins every week with the line of the week, and my nomination for it this week is that when she holds the face up and says, you have failed this city, like doing an Oliver impression, I busted out laughing. I couldn't help it. That was, it was good. It was really, really solid. So yeah, I'm all for this. Let's continue this. Okay. We'll keep it going. All right, good. And Wait, if you, and obviously if you guys are watching, when you guys are watching and you're listening, um, try not to do it before we, we post the podcast because it might give away spoilers to anybody who hasn't done it yet. And sometimes it even gives spoilers to us. Because there are times, depending on our schedule, we don't even get to watch the shows until maybe like a day before we record. You um, watched every episode yesterday with the exception of Legend, which you watched tonight. I watched tonight. Um, so, yeah. Um, but after you listen to the po- after the podcast is posted and you listen to what our picks are, definitely post on the Facebook page what your line of the week is as well. Because we'd love to know what you guys think of, about it as well. Yeah. Um, I thought it was really cool finally getting to see not only... Diggle return to the Arrow Cave, but immediately go right back to he is now in the mindset that he is Spartan. Yeah. 
you know, so seeing him rejoin the team and rejoin these recruits, these recruits who, by the way, I, I and I don't want to say it had it's any detriment to Renee, uh, to, you know, to to Wildcat, but the very beginning, the way Wild this, Dog, Wild Dog, sorry, not Wildcat. Um, the way this episode starts, I, I swear, I do know what I'm talking about. Um, the way this episode starts, this is the most cohesive we've ever seen this team. Like, yeah. Hit. Hands down, hands down, it was it was absolutely the best we've seen to these guys for a long time, and I love that John and Renee are connecting because it's making Renee a better character. That's what was missing from the new team was some of the old the old team arrow. I mean, Felicity being there, being the brains behind the operation, but the fact that she wasn't really all there because of she had un un address situations with Oliver, which were addressed this week, which I'm so happy that they're moving everybody forward. Yes. John John understood what he was doing and why he needs to be back out there. Forgave himself, is moving forward. Renee realizes he's making mistakes. He's moving forward. Curtis, he got a knife in the back and he's taking it easy. Smart move. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and we saw a great resolution to the Felicity Oliver relationship that I've been wanting to see for a while. And it looks like we can get back to what made the show great in the late parts of season one and all of season two. And with new people and new faces in the mix, there is still some growing. We got to see out of Artemis. And I think a little bit more from Curtis and wild dog, the new recruits definitely, but they're on the right path. They've got this down. They're doing a really good job. We got great action this week. We got characters moving forward, which is something I've complained about so much since we started doing the show, where everybody took a step forward and a massive step backwards. Everybody all seemed like they said, let's hold hands and let's cross this line and take the show into new territory. And they did it. They did it in one episode. They closed this out like an arc of a comic book series. And they did it the right way. And it worked perfectly. Yeah, I mean, and you even, you know, you bring up all the character development and everything, too. But one of the things that we're forgetting, we saw it from Wild Dog, we saw it from Artemis, we saw it from Curtis. We're seeing all this character progression. We got it out of Oliver, even, too. I mean, and they joke about it in the episode, you know, where they say, like, I, you know, I just heard something I didn't hear. What, optimism? Like, and that's... We're seeing a more positive attitude coming out of Oliver. And he's starting to, whereas in the beginning of the season, and he admitted it himself in the episode, that he was more Green Arrow than he was Mayor. We're now starting to see a shift where he's learning how to balance both. He's not just one with, you know, side moments of the other. Now he's both. Yeah. And I think that's really important because now he's he's not just becoming a hero on one front. He's becoming a hero of two. He's at night he's saving the city as Green Arrow, but as the, during the day he's saving the hero, he's saving the town and the city as the mayor. He's a hero 100% of the time now. It's just in different forms. And I'm really enjoying seeing the progression out of Oliver at the same time. And, you know, you mentioned the cohesiveness of the team and the, the character progression. Renee is now realizing who he is to the team. Curtis is realizing he's not as strong as he thinks he is. He needs to back off until he gets better. And Artemis and all these other, you know, and Spartans back with the team. We're seeing Thea join occasionally. We're getting back to the core of Arrow with these new faces involved. I cannot wait to see where they're going to go with it. Yeah. And... We wrap Arrow up with, you know, they stop Tobias Church. And that ends with Tobias Church 
getting killed by Prometheus. I was a little surprised by this. I was too. And we got our big bad stepping into the limelight. We, you know, he now has the knowledge that who green arrow is more than likely if our theory and the fan theory out there that we got from one of our listeners of this being Tommy Merlin, it didn't matter what church said because he already knew. And I love the idea that that may really well be the possibility because I cannot wait to see what they do here. And this is, they're already creating a great new team, mixing it with the old, a positive Oliver. You're putting the relationship drama between, you know, Ollie and Felicity aside. They're like, look, be happy. We're friends. We'll always be part of something special as far as what we're trying to do. Great. Do this. Please do this. And then give us something awesome because they've proved this season already. We've gotten some of the absolute best fight sequences we've ever had from this show. Some of the best quick action moments or holy crap, that was fantastic. Keep it up because honestly, I was so concerned about where this season was going to go because I was really unpleased and very unhappy with season three and season four. Um, And they're making some great moves. There's something we're going to report in the news that's got me even more excited um, on where this season could go. This show has got a spotlight on it right now, and I really want it to be able to be as strong as the rest of the shows because Supergirl's proving to be great. Legends is proving to be amazing. Flash is being been just fantastic. It, they're giving us great things, and Arrow is getting right back on point. So this yeah, is it, this is a great start of this season for all these shows. It almost seemed like, and and I really hate saying it because I know some people are definitely going to disagree with me when I say this. Um, it almost seemed like while all these shows were launching off of Arrow, it made Arrow the weaker of the shows. I it I mean, and we talked about this um, name dropping when we you know when we interviewed Stephen back in in May. Uh, you know, he had mentioned, too, that a lot of these shows were starting, you know, they were using Arrow as a jumping off point, And it really got the show off of the focus of the story of Arrow. This is the first season in a couple seasons where the show is not being used to launch another show. Legends is already off on its own. Uh, you know, Flash is, is hit the ground running. Supergirl never used Arrow. Um, you know, they're back to focusing on the story of Arrow, which they haven't really done since seasons one and two when the show was excellent now i'm really starting to agree with steven in in that he says that you know using the show as a launch point for others really weakened the show and we're starting to see that now because now the show is on its own it's back to the core and the show is really good again so um and real quick you you know you mentioned prometheus and and saying you know how to buy or you know, Tobias Church told him who Green Arrow was, and he, if it's Tommy Merlin, he already knew. I don't know if I agree with that. I think there's still a chance that if it is Tommy Merlin, Tommy didn't know that Oliver was the Green Arrow. Very possible. Well, so. it, it's a it's a big wait and see. But the last thing we got to bring up before we move on to Legends with Arrow, Diggle got his new helmet. He did, and it, it's even mentioned too. He's like, "Nice helmet," and he just like shoots a smile. Oh yeah, and yeah, and I love the the fact that it came from Christopher Chance. It was it was a wonderful moment, and I, I guess the last point we really have to bring up is the reporter that's been basically you know up Oliver's ass for, since he's been mayor. Also, Nail found out that he had ties to the Bratva and how this is going to come back and bite him in the ass more than likely. Yeah, because we gotta we gotta put it straight up with 
it's the way that Arrow has continuously worked. Nothing can always be perfect for Oliver Queen. It's just not the way the show works. But you know what? Even with that thrown at him, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they're going to do. Yeah. I, I will say I did have one criticism with this episode, and I'll, I'll wrap up with this, you know, because we've been praising this episode, and it's well-deserved. I had one criticism, and it's on the topic of tropes, as we've been focusing on a lot lately. And it didn't focus, it didn't make me dislike the episode a lot at all, because, it, it, again, it was something I just passed right over. The trope where the villain tells the hero his plan. Can we get over this, please? I mean, oh, it's I, a bond. I, I, it, it's a bond moment. It happens. It's it okay. Is. And I understand it's a way that for the villain to reveal to the audience what the plan is is by telling the hero what the plan is. But come on, like the moment when he's like, you know, I'm gonna die anyway. You might as well tell me. And then he tells him seriously. Like I'm, <laughs> I laugh at it every time it happens. Like you know, if you if you're the villain and you die, you deserve to die. For giving mm-hmm. up your plan. Very true. But let's move on to the final show of the week. That being Legends of Tomorrow. And we have Season 2, Episode 4, titled Abominations. The Legends find themselves fighting for survival against Confederate zombies in the Civil War. I was on board from Zombie. <laughs> Not gonna lie, I was on board from Zombie. But I got a lot more out of this episode than I was anticipating. Um... You know, because it's something I didn't really think about. But from the moment they go back to, you know, the 1800s and they go to Mississippi where this this time pirate has crash landed. They're following the beacon. And it turns out that there are even before they know about zombies, the show touched on a topic that I didn't even think about. And I'm a history buff. I love stuff like this. But even in my mind, I didn't think about it in that when Stein tells Jack's Maybe you should stay behind. And it goes into the topic of racism. And because that was very prevalent back then, that was a big realization for me. I was like, oh, yeah, I did not think about that. And I'm very glad. And this is one of the reasons why I love this show. I'm very glad that they didn't glance over this because there have been other shows, you know, involving time travel where you have, you know, or movies involving time travel where you have like an African-American actor in a time period where there weren't African-American people doing what they're doing. And they kind of glance over it because it's Hollywood. This show really focused on that. I'd even say so much to say that I think that was a bigger topic than the zombies. I think the zombies almost took a background to that. I think so, too. And I think, you know what, the line when Stein brings it up, and it's Jax is looking, and I was like, Gray, look, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I've been black my whole life. But when we see Jax actually deal with it front and center, you see so much pain on his face and the moments when he hears what's happening to these people. But it's what he takes away from it at the end that makes this episode so phenomenal. Um, I I really have to say, right off the bat, this was one of the best episodes the show has ever had. It didn't tie anything to the greater plot, um, but it was the best character development I've seen out of any of these characters for a very long time. And it wasn't just Jax. I mean, Jax's story, I think, was probably the best of the best. But we got something amazing from Mick, something amazing from Sarah, something great from Nate. 
And then Ray had oh, one of my oh. favorite moments of all of this. And it's not just not just Ray, but it was everybody dealing with overcoming something great. And again, the Jack stuff and the racism stuff, they handled so wonderfully and with such great care. And they wrote it wonderfully and beautifully. And not over, only just that, and I got to say it too, I mean, it's the whole idea of them being back, trying to stop the zombie plague during you know the Civil War and realizing that if they don't do this, that the Union you know, beat the Confederates. So, I mean, I'm sorry, other way around. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's what really happened. Yeah. So um, it, it was just impressive to watch how all this worked. It was all tied together so beautifully, and everybody came out of this as drastically better characters. Yeah. And I and, love that all this is happening so wonderfully without Rip being involved one bit. Well, and I think that's something, you know, touching on that topic, I think, and I brought this up last week in that what if Rip is basically, he's somewhere and he's watching everything. Like, this is something he feels he needs to do in order to make this team better. And I think that's something that's really happening right now. Like, this team is finding their own footing. This team is finding their place with each other without Rip. So when Rip comes back, man, this team is going to be unbelievable together. Mm. You know, because they're going to have, I'd say they're going to have Rip's leadership, but I don't even think they need it at this point. They're so cohesive right now. And that's been a reoccurring theme out of all these episodes this week. You know, with the team of Arrow being cohesive and, and such, it's been it's it's been pretty strong. Cohesiveness is, is probably a theme of this week. Um. But you're right. I mean, we see, you know, Professor Stein become extremely impressed in, um, you know, in Jackson, the way he handles everything and the kind of person he's become over this. We saw so much passion and pain at the same time out of Jax. Uh, but you mentioned Ray. And just when you mentioned it, dude, I got chills just thinking about that scene again. <laughs> Good pun. I know. And I didn't even mean that either. <laughs> so afterwards, but we, we, we wondered. Yeah, let's let's dive right into that because that was something I didn't see coming. No, but I adored that moment almost as much as I adored the ending of this episode with just Jackson Stein in the central room of the sh of the Wave Rider. Yeah, and I, hearing the slave song play out, which was just this very hopeful song. That it was it was this very touching moment between those two those two characters, but this came right after easily the best moment of the show and it's and you're right it's something that i too did not see coming whatsoever we talked about it last week you know when ray has to destroy the or you know when uh when um when nate destroys the atom suit and ray is kind of left powerless he has no abilities he has no suit and we were wondering where things were going to go with ray i'm glad they didn't take too long to find a new path for him for starters but the moment when he when mick opens the case and I said, oh, please be what I think that is. I, like, I immediately started going to that. And I was like, please, please, please be what I think it is. And when he pulls out the gun and you see the, you know, the triangle in the front of, you know, for the cold. And he hands the gun to Ray and says, I need a partner. Like, that's not just a huge moment for Ray in Ray becoming. I don't even want to say he's going to be the new Captain Cold because I think he's going to be something completely separate. He's just going to have, you know. Um, it's his place on the team is still there. Yes. It's, he still has a future. Yes. Um, but it's just as big a moment for Mick. 
You know, especially considering earlier on in that episode, he had just got done telling Ray, you know, you're the, lo- you know, you're the loner. I've been a loner my whole life. Um, it's such a great moment when he says, you know, this belonged to probably the best loner I've ever known. It's a huge tribute to Snart. And at the same time, it's a huge moment for Mick moving on past that and finding a new partner in his life. And I don't, obviously, I don't mean that in a, you know, a sexual sense, but, you know, in a friendship sense, because Mick's not the kind of person that takes on friends, even though he's kind of admitted these guys are his, his friends, they're his family. But immediately, the connection he's had with Ray since they had the, the, the Soviet episode last season where, where Ray took the beating for him and that bond started to grow. Seeing it culminate to this point is such a great moment. It yeah. was, it was, it made me smile. I mean, like, you know, like I said, it was fun watching Stein and his fear of zombies, you know, get the better of him as Ray's is kind of like, look, we got to look past our fears. He's like, I've been terrified of what I'm going to be without my powers, but I've got to figure out a new way to handle things. And you can't be afraid and you have to face them. And that was Ray showing that, you know what? He knows he's still a hero. And as they're trying to hunt down a zombified McRory on the ship, which was a great, you know, comedic moments. But the fact that it ended in that moment is what made this, I mean, so special because we knew Ray was ready to move forward. And the fact that Mick was ready to move forward too made this something really awesome and something I would have never anticipated or expected. But it was, it was that moment when I said this show took a cue from Flash with that heart. We saw that from Jax. We definitely saw it in that moment between Mick and from Ray. And we saw it with Vixen. We saw it with Sarah and, you know, Ulysses S. Grant. All the, and Nate, you know, just every, every one of these members of this cast really proved something special this week. I mean, the, the interactions, and I don't even want to leave Mar- uh, Martin Stein out of this because his involvement with Jack's really playing that father figure. It's why this show is working so well. It knows everything it needs to do, and it's doing it, I think, out of all these shows, the most beautifully. I really do. No, I, I, I agree with that completely. And it's, you know, again, like, you know, going back to the Ray thing, this is something that I didn't see coming either. I'm, I think last week we predicted that he might build a new suit. Um, but I'm glad they went this route. It's, it's definitely something different. And, man, it's... You're absolutely right. This show has this show has its not only its own voice, but it has its own heart. And another thing that made me that I I really started thinking about is that you know, when they go into the whole explanation and they see that time has changed, history has changed, the Confederacy has the United States is now two countries. It made me realize that and I couldn't wrap my head around it is that all of this stuff is happening around the other shows. But we never get to see it because it's always corrected by the end of the episode. So it would almost be interesting to see how this is affecting, how what these guys are doing is affecting the other shows, if even for like five minutes, you know. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm really, really digging this show. And it's, it's been the strongest it's been... Um, Probably since the beginning, since the yeah, you know, since I, the pilot. I absolutely agree. I, I I'm really, really, very, very, you know, just pleasantly surprised with the show. Um, 
I, I really, there's nothing more I can say. I mean, Vixen's still kind of in the background a little bit. I know we're going to get a lot more from her soon, but pairing her with Jax in this scene was perfect. It worked very well, and we saw some growth from her as well. She's proving to be a decent character in, in the mix of all this. I really love Nate in in the team. Like, he's playing such a great dynamic. It's Rip, but in a very, very positive positive way, basically. Yeah. So it's working. It's really working. And again, I'm so happy with what they're doing. I know there's so much that still needs to happen. We've only seen two members of the Legion so far. But you know what? If they keep giving us even throwaway episodes like this, I'm not worried. I'm not worried where the show is going at all. No, and me neither. And I think yeah. the only thing we can left that's left to say, you know, before we go, we move on, um, is obviously we got a little bit more of the voice message that Barry had left uh, for Rip, and we don't know exactly what this is yet, but obviously it, it's leading to something, and I'm very curious to see where they're going to go with it because now we're getting mention of um, almost a war that's going to be happening. So yeah. do we don't know what this is yet, but hopefully it means we're going to get to see some future versions of some of these other cast members. Yeah, most definitely. So, uh, cool. So that's let's that's going to wrap things up for the secret origins portion and the breakdown and everything. Uh, let's get ready to head out. But before we do that, let's talk about a little bit of news and go into the DC Essentials portion. And we've been hinting at it for a while. You probably already know at this point, but Rob, let, why don't we start off with the biggest news story of uh, of the not only of the week but of the day? Yeah, hands down. I mean, this is something that we're so excited. And all the best thing I can say is, "Hello, Megan," because <laughs> <laughs> season three of Young Justice is indeed in production. So all those people that went out there like us and kept watching that show on Netflix, apparently that did make some kind of noise. Um, the fact that the show is coming back is wonderful and amazing. And I think it's something that's really exciting. We still don't know when it's going to start to air, what network it's going to air. Me and Better both guessing it's going to be Netflix. That's what I'm thinking. Um, but the fact that the show is coming back, even for a third season, and that's all it gets. You know what? If they can wrap up what they were doing, do it up. If we can get more of that show, it's easily, I think, next to Batman the Animated Series, the best DC animated show that has ever existed. Um, I absolutely adore that show, and I can't wait to see more of it, and I'm so excited to say that it's coming back. Yeah, me too. I'm very, very excited, and now I for sure have to finish season two. <laughs> yes, 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 you do. Uh, and I apologize, news is going to be a little all over the place here. Um, so we'll get right off the bat here. I'm just going to kind of just roll through our Facebook news feed here. There was quite a bit of stuff that happened. A lot of it is smaller than than this, but this is honestly, that that was the big one. But we do know that Aquaman is about to begin pre-production with James Wan. Uh, it is going to be starting up in Australia, and it will be. The pre-production is starting indeed at the end of this month. Gave them a little bit of time for the cast to take a break from after the filming of Justice League. But I'm really excited, especially with everything that Jason Momoa and uh, Amber Heard and James Wan have been saying. I think this is going to be something very special. I have a feeling, like I said, they keep saying that swashbuckling feel. So that kind of piratey, very pulp action film. I'm really excited to see what they're going to do. So uh, after that, uh, staying in the movie universe, uh, Amy Adams kind of weighs in really quickly as far as uh, what's going on with Man of Steel's sequel. And uh, she basically kind of breaks it down really quickly, saying that, you know, she knows there's a lot of movement going with on it behind the scenes, but she's not sure as far as who the writer uh, writer is going to be the director, any of that stuff. Nothing is, seems like it's been decided quite yet, 
Um, more than likely, and I think Ben and me both agree, I have a feeling Warner Brothers is going to wait to see the reaction to Justice League before they go full force into this because we do have some other things happening right now, especially in the DCEU, uh, and that being specifically going over to the Flash film. Uh, director Rick Famuyiwa in the last week has broken away and has left the project. This is now the second director to leave this film after uh, Seth Graham Smith, who is still the main person credited for the script of this. But it sounds like the main reason that Rick left the production, <coughs> sorry about that, um, is he was trying to make the Flash a little edgier. And the fact that, that he has left the project because of creative differences, I think this is a good sign that they're realizing they have to be true to these characters, especially with Jeff Johns in the mix right now. Um, an edgy Barry is not the right call for this character. And if they're trying to take him away from his source material, this is a good move. I hope Warner Brothers really pays attention out there, understands why people like this character as much as they do. So I don't think this is a bad thing. It may delay the production, but you know what? I think this is a good kind of delay. So very happy to see that that did indeed happen. Yeah. Um, sticking as well as far as the universe is uh, a little bit more from Jason Momoa. And uh, he kind of shared a funny little story this past week as far as when Zack Snyder approached him to play a character in the DC, uh, you know, extended universe. Momoa was actually incredibly, apparently very shocked that he, he was going to be asked to play Aquaman because he said the first thing he thought they were going to ask him to play was Lobo. And it's kind of funny because a couple of us kind of commented on it and talked about it. And uh, I think most of us, if you look at Momoa, you could totally see it. I know a lot of us always think Danny Trejo, but Momoa would have been honestly a great, great Lobo. But I'm really excited to see what his take is on Arthur Curry. Um, jumping back into the TV universe. Uh, so we were not far off as on our uh, far as our thought on uh, Supergirl. Cyborg Superman is indeed coming to the show. It sounds like it was episode seven, um, I think, is what the original story was. Stating that uh, we're going to see her uh, Kara go toe-to-toe with Cyborg Superman uh, inside Cadmus. So I think that's a good nod to the fact that we were dead on a Dean Kane man. I, I, I swear to God, it's going to be Dean Kane. The only other person... Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, I'm hoping that's what it is. I'm looking now at the cast of that episode. That is indeed the episode that we are going to see uh, Cyborg Superman. Uh, but in typical IMDb style, they hold off on posting certain casts as not to give away spoilers, and they're doing the same thing. There's no additional cast other than the main characters for this one. Yeah, so I, I, me and Ben, I think, are putting our money down that a Dean Cain will be yeah. indeed Cyborg Superman. The only other person we'd see is David Harewood play Double Duty and play the original Hank Henshaw, but I, that's not exactly where I think they're going to I mean, go. or, well, I mean, we could see Tyler come back as well. We could. We could see Tyler Hoshlin come back and play that character, yeah. but I'm still pretty sure it's Dean Cain. That's what I'm thinking, too. And how awesome so. would it be to see Dean Cain, a former Superman, come back and play the character again? Yeah. Uh, so sticking with Supergirl real quick, Kevin Smith did at least announce as well that in his episode for Supergirl Lives that his daughter will actually be uh, playing a small character in that as well. So Harley Quinn Smith will be joining the cast for that episode. So I thought that was kind of cute. Um, over at Legends of Tomorrow, we did see some new screenshots coming up showing Obsidian again in the background, as well as Damian Dark. Uh, I'm not quite sure which episode this is from. I don't think that anybody had it that tagged quite yet. My guess is it's this coming week. So expect that we'll get to see, finally, Lance Henriksen uh, playing Obsidian coming soon. Uh, and actually, talking about all the DC TV shows, 
the Time Warner CEO, Jeff uh, Bukes, did come out and talk a little bit as far as so far the DC TV shows have generated $1 billion in revenue, which I think is fantastic and is why we're seeing such a great push for these shows. I'm really happy to see that these shows are doing so well, not only because it gets us to continue doing this show, but it's more and more for us to enjoy. When, so. when you break that down, it, it evenly averages out to about $200 million per show. The shows are doing better than the films. Yeah, and which you know, which is phenomenal. But you know what? Keep doing it. I love what they're doing. So let's jump over to Arrow real quick. There's two pieces here. One is a cat bit of casting news, and something I think a lot of us were hoping and expecting. That being, Lexa Doig is going to be joining the cast as Talia Al Ghul. Uh, the actress has previously been seen in Stargate and Continuum. So I'm really excited to see what they do. She looks perfect. She looks like definitely she could be Katrina Law's sister, too. Great casting. Really excited to see what they're going to do. But not only that, but executive producer Mark Guggenheim shot, put a picture up on his Twitter account showing Hub City. And it was a, uh, a news company. And a lot of people are guessing this is a tease that not only is Talia Al Ghul coming in, but the Hub City reference and the news station means maybe we might be seeing the question. And I would love to see them do this character. So especially now, it feels so perfect because we've seen Renee Montoya over on Gotham, who ultimately becomes the question. We've seen Maggie Sawyer, you know, over in Supergirl. This is this is great. He belongs somewhere in the mix, even if it's just for a one episode. Dude, if they do the question, I will be absolutely <laughs> ecstatic. Um Real quick as well, going into some of the last few things before we end up with the last big thing for the week. Uh, we do have up on our Facebook page over at you know Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Uh, there is a nice little interview with Daniel Panabaker uh, from IGN talking a little bit about playing a different version of Killer Frost. Not only that, while we haven't reviewed it yet, and we will, it's just we need a little bit of time and we're saving it for when the show hits off weeks. But they also have the IGN review uh, has the review up for Batman Return of the Cape Crusaders, which is available now. So if you haven't got a chance to check that out, please do. We'll be talking about that in a couple weeks, probably right around the Christmas season. But last but not least, we also got the full theatrical trailer for Wonder Woman, which looks phenomenal. Um, I can't say enough great things about it, but it gave me chills seeing uh, Steve Trevor parachuting down right in front of that mascara. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot. There's a lot of color in this. It's a very bright looking. Um, film in comparison to the rest of the things we've seen in the DCEU, with the exception of the World War One stuff, which makes lots of sense. But we're seeing a lot of great things from Gal Gadot here. She looks like she is going to be absolutely a scene stealer in this film, the same way she was in BBS. Yeah. So, and uh, yeah, that kind of wraps up the news for this week. Um, so we'll hit our recommendations, and we're going to get out of here. Uh, cool. Uh, I'll start things off so I, you can give your voice a rest for for a minute since you were just talking for. You know, a couple minutes straight. Uh, my recommendation this week is not anything too huge. It's just more topical than anything else. Uh, this past week, DC released a one-off uh, edition. I, I believe it's going to be a one-off, but it is basically Catwoman Election Night, which I think is pretty fitting, obviously, to the um, 
The fact that this week, if you're listening to this on Tuesday morning, which is when this podcast is posted, you obviously know that it is election day. Uh, so I'm just basically recommending this this one-off Catwoman election night because it is topical to election day. And I will wrap up my recommendation by saying I don't care who you're voting for. It's your project. It's your opinion. It's your prerogative. Just make sure you get out and vote. That's all I will say about it. Not choosing sides. Just make sure you vote if you can. That was actually my recommendation as well. But beyond that, also <laughs> in DC Comics as well, Superman number 10, please pick it up. It's written by Pete Tomasi, Patrick Gleason. This is the first time we're seeing Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent together. And uh, that's kind of our building arc that we're going to get before we hit Super Sons, which I can't wait for that book. But it was an amazing read. Please check it out. And again, remember tomorrow or today when you're actually listening to this, please go vote. Yes. And that's it. That's it for us. Uh, cool. Uh, cheap plugs before we get out of here. Of course, as I mentioned before, uh, you can find me also on the Showcast Spotlight here on the Next Level Podcast Network, which is our interview podcast. Uh, NextLevelRadioOnline.com, which is where you can find that one, as well as all other podcasts here on the network. Uh, and, of course, at NXT Level Radio, you can follow them on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at NXT Level Ben, and I encourage you to do so uh, because not this coming weekend, but the following weekend... I I will be at Heroes and Villains Atlanta and I will be doing a ton of social media because I will be getting a ton of great coverage in the form of pictures, interviews and panels that I will be moderating uh, and hopefully we'll be getting a lot of great audio and video we'll be sharing with you guys as well. Mm-hmm. And as far as me, uh, for me, actually, you can always find me now at nextlevelradioonline.com, <laughs> which is fun to finally say. But uh, the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods is now part of the Next Level family. Uh, the very first episode, uh, well, the most recent episode, not the very first, um, but the uh, our most recent episode, which is episode 31, is up on the website. Uh, we don't have a our Ben still got to get our banner on the front page of the site, and he's working on building up our backlog um, on there. But uh, I should hopefully can... I should hopefully have everything done before I leave for Charlotte this coming weekend. So it'll. Uh... A majority of it is actually already in the RSS feed, so you can already access it through iTunes and Google Play. I just have to get it on the website for streaming. Cool. But yeah, definitely check out Caffeine Crew Cast Pods episode 31, which was our Halloween episode. Uh, We have a tendency to record our new episodes close to the end of every month, Uh, so we still will be doing something right around the time of uh, Thanksgiving, and it'll be up shortly after. But definitely check that out. Um, It was uh, quite a bit of fun. We do a lot of discussions about horror films and uh Ben is definitely in that episode, so definitely give it a listen. I hope you guys enjoy. And bear in mind, kind of adult content. So yes. I would keep the little ones away from that show. Uh, <laughs> I know we, we we drop an F-bomb here or there on this one, and that's only because we get excited. But that show, eh. <laughs> a little bit more. We're, we're a little bit more liberal with the language at times, yeah. and especially some of the subject matter. But for the most part, though, we are just talking about geek culture and the things that kind of shape us as far as geek culture and uh the things we love to chat about and geek out about. So definitely check that out. Yeah, I think a popular phrase from that October 30th, from that Halloween episode was know your shit. Yeah. <laughs> In which I started and then it turned back against me because I 
I got called out on something later. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely check that one out as well as the other podcasts on the podcast network. But that's going to wrap it up for this week. Again, follow us on Facebook if you don't already. Facebook.com slash DC Primetime. And of course, we encourage you to post. We encourage you to comment. We are always checking the site. We are always posting. We are always replying because uh, we love interacting with you guys. So check it out. Share it with your friends, especially if they're into these these shows like we are. Uh, and just have a good time with it. But of course, yeah. Um, uh, thank you once again. I feel like I'm going to do this for the second week in a row, just so you can rest your voice. Uh, but thanks again to, of course, to George Shaw for providing the music for both the intro and outro of this podcast. Uh, definitely appreciate that. He's got a lot of great work. I just you can search him on YouTube to find a lot of his other work, uh, which is all excellent as well. Or you can always find him too over at www.georgeshawmusic.com. There you go. Uh, we thank you once again for listening this week as well as every other week. But until next time, we will see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace. Peace.